Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inspire Club. Um, this podcast is supported by Waggle. Waggle is an agile employee voice platform that measures uh, and truly improves employee engagement. And again, personally, thank you very much for all your support. Um, so to our, our latest guest, um, for those who have followed the Engagement Zone podcast, um, you will know you'll know this man. For those who know uh, about the employee engagement top 101 influencers that we publish annually, you will know this man. Uh, for those who've uh, been to our events, you'll know, you'll know him. Um, so he, he's a, a scholar, professor, uh, owns Amplified Research, is a civil servant for a government agency, and I'd also very proud to say he, he's a, a good friend now. Um, hot news hot off the press as well. Um, we are running uh, as inspiring workplaces, uh, city communities around the world. Uh, people who have passion, who want to change the world through the world of work, can actually run their own city community. Um, so we'll be announcing New York, London, Birmingham, Bristol, Sydney soon. But the first city uh, in the Inspiring Workplaces Network will be Inspire Washington, D.C. or Inspire, D.C. And Russell Robinson, ladies and gentlemen, will be running up Inspire, D.C. So welcome, Russell. Hello, how are you? Matt, happy new year. Excited. (laughs) Brand new year, brand new change, brand new everything. Everything. Um, So uh, you good? Yeah, I cannot complain. You've been on your Peloton this morning? Uh, I've been on the Peloton this morning. Uh, we've got a nice streak. All resolutions are good, uh, which, is, <laughs> which is better than some other years. So, uh, yes, I uh, in my in my youth, I used to work out first thing in the morning, and that's my new thing. So I'm on the Peloton uh, every morning. And this morning's ride I did with one of their UK instructors. So I did a climb ride. I'm getting... We're, we're going to try to to get into the UK British side of things as we do this. Uh, what, what, was this instructor more or less brutal than an American instructor, or just the same? Uh, there's one named Ben Aldis, and he is great at climb rides, where you're just constantly adding resistance, and it's it's one of his uh, niche things. So, uh, post COVID, uh, I'm I and my wife are hoping to do a, a live ride in the the London studio. Uh, COVID willing, we're supposed to be in London for a festival uh, this summer. So hopefully we can we can get that in. I, I will be waiting outside. I think I know where the Peloton studio is. It's in uh, it's in Covent Garden. And um, I'll be outside waiting with you with a cold beer. So uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, I can't I can't do another year without live music also. Oh, oh I know. I know. We've actually um, uh, we've lucky enough to got Elton John, who has postponed. Uh, Ivy's got Blondie uh, locked in for us at the end of the year, and has just booked Duran Duran for the summer. So let's hope. Like you can tell my age <laughs> um, uh, by that, those musical choices. But we hope we, we've missed live music and travel. So let's hope we all can do some of that in, uh, in, uh, this year. Um, so to to the to the, the the chat and the one rule the only rule of inspire club um can you please share a, st- a story of someone who's inspired you in the world of work along the way and 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 what they've and how why and how they inspired you yes yeah, so i think so I, I wear three different hats so uh i do training and engagement for a, a federal agency here in the u.s um in addition you mentioned amplified research so i have a uh an LLC where we do research, podcasts and writing. And then I'm also an adjunct professor at a university. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that's inspired me is 
I'm going to answer from the research standpoint. So I've got some research going with uh, my good friend, Dr. Nicole Dillard out of Northern Kentucky University here in the States, where we're exploring the engagement experiences of women of color leaders in the public sector. And most engagement surveys and research are very quantitative. Um, You get the what, but you don't get the why. People can only answer the questions they're asked. And as we did this research and uh, the experiences went so far beyond typical engagement research. So we would hear about Me Too, uh, issues with uh, legitimacy regarding education. So if you remember a few weeks ago in the States, there was an article about whether uh, Dr. Jill Biden should use the 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 uh, use the doctor in her name, um, in addition to like bullying within the workplace, sometimes bullying within their race. And I had one person who, as she started to tell her story, she talked about how um, every day her goal was to maintain main, maintain that her staff was engaged and empowered while at the same time hiding the fact that she was being sexually harassed by her boss and just how she navigated that difficult place to work out of work her way out of that situation but also protect her staff so i think when you look at the look at employee engagement you never get that depth and uh you know she's made it to the other side of it and she's thrived and she's an awesome civil servant civil servant but when I think about her story, it's just so ex- inspiring. And, you know, being being a, a guy, you just don't get that depth of some of the things people are um, bringing into their work lives every day. No, no, you don't. Um, we talk about empathy a lot, but it's almost in, it's impossible to even try and imagine to be in those shoes. And then also from, from when you look back at 2020, um, as you and I have talked about, you know, I think the biggest things that have impacted work would be COVID and the the, the impacts of, of a work from home environment. Uh, but then also the impact of social justice has has had on employees. And, you know, being in Washington, D.C., um, we, we, we might have had a little event that I think is still ongoing, <laughs> a little election <laughs> back in November. But how politics impacts people. And I was having a conversation with a colleague who said, you know, I was always raised. You never talk about religion, race and politics at work. But I think what 2020 exposes is that those factors actually impact an employee's engagement state Mm -hmm. and organizations have to talk about it. And the truth is the UK is better at this. Um, There have been a couple of reports coming out of the government in the UK. There was one addressing racism of black Brits. And I saw something, I read something yesterday that talked about uh, black Brits uh, have more mental wellness issues. And and I think uh, on the state side from the government, we don't get into that depth, but that gets into the realness of, uh, of employees engagement, engagement state. Yeah. Well, and and you say it's not just engagement, it just impacts people all, all from end to end. Um, you know the, the politics in on your side of the pond definitely impacted me. <laughs> I got I got sucked down a rabbit hole on that one. Um, and in a year where I said to myself I was going to ban my ban ban myself from any news, um, that didn't that 
that didn't go very well and it reminded me why I wanted to ban myself from watching the news every day. So, um, but it's, yeah, it's interesting. I think we've got a long way to go. Um, but as you say, last year was a year where I think more, more issues were brought to the fore and people are at least trying to tackle them. Um, and, and that's something we want to do with people like yourself um, and our community uh, in, in 21. Uh, try and try, try and work through some solutions and pathways to, through this stuff. Um, so no, thank you. Is, is there a story of a somebody who's inspired you more directly? Um, I don't. If not, that's fine. I think the the example you've just given of of that woman is just um, very very powerful. But I just want to know if somebody has directly impacted you in in your day to day work throughout the years. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that. Um, I saw more directly was um, when we when we go back to 2020, um, we had uh, speaking of, of my work role, we had staff who um, had never led. They never supervised in a 100 percent virtual environment. And and we had one employee who didn't, you know, supervisor who didn't know how to lead in that environment. And, and I kind of worked with that person, you know, coaching in the background. And we focused on things like uh, making connection and empathy and vulnerability as in, Hey, you're, you're close to my age. You don't understand technology like the young kids do within your shop. There's opportunities for reverse mentoring and, and opportunities to be vulnerable with your staff and say, Hey, I, I don't know this let's teach each other, let's bring this journey together. And now on the back end of that, they've had conversations that said, once we go back to normal or whatever, whatever the new normal is, how can we incorporate this technology into what we've done? And long story short, she has a better attachment to her work and she has a work unit that's more engaged than they, they were before. So that's where you've taken the, the craziness of 2020 and she's turned it actually into an opportunity to uh, have deeper impact and have a better workplace. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, a staple of our, of our Inspire Club conversations is um, to find out what your, your personal purpose is. What, what's your why? What, what drives you on a daily basis? Um, I think it's to have impact uh, mixed with fun. So uh, I, I think everything I do, I like to have fun um, and and the two things of that drive my in engagement state, since I'm an engagement guy, is if I'm having impact and if I'm having fun. Um, one, life is too short to, to not have fun. So you should build a culture where you should truly be able to enjoy the people you work with. Uh, you should be able to enjoy your stakeholders. Now, there should be a level of accountability but when you create, but I think if you create that culture where you have impact on people and within impact, I'm saying that you create empowerment, uh, you foster, you foster voice where people can can bring their thoughts and ideas and concerns forward and sometimes disagree. I think you'll find that you have uh, deeper meanings um, from a research standpoint that kind of goes back to what I said earlier about the research I'm doing. Um, I'm really driven to capture the experiences of civil servants. So to do that and bring those stories 
to research will have um, a deeper impact, hopefully on on future research, but also how we implement these changes to improve the the work experience of employees. And lastly, as an adjunct professor, um, I want the students to feel some impact from the class. So I don't know if you're a fan of The Wire, <laughs> but uh, uh, Stringer, the wire. yeah. So there's a scene where where Stringer Bell, uh, played by Idris Elba, again, we're going to yeah. we're going to make as many mentions to the UK as we can. I, 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 I still can't believe the two main guys in there, Stringer Bell and um, Dominic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and so there's a thing where where Stringer is talking to his drug crew, and he explains that he, they're bringing him too many 40 degree days, and nobody remembers a 40 degree day. You remember a 50 degree day, a 60 degree day, 70 degrees. You're you're barbecuing. 20 <laughs> degree days, you you want to be cuddled up with your woman, but nobody remembers a 40 degree day. I don't want to have a class that's a 40 degree day. Um, mm. I want to. I want students to be able to take the lessons learning plan one by fostering student voice, bring their thoughts into their thoughts and experiences into the class teaching, because I don't think learning is a totally one way street where it's coming going from me to them. I think we can learn from each other, but where they can take some nuggets in the lesson plan, in the experiences and then say, now I can apply this to real life. My students are. Uh, you know, these are working adults, so they're going to have work experiences. The The examples we use are real, but I want to have a class where you have that level of impact. But then, like I said, I want to have fun. Uh, I want to enjoy the people I work with and the environment every day. And uh, I think when you talk to people about their experiences at work, when they really enjoyed work and felt empowered, they enjoyed being around the people. And conversely, where they didn't, they didn't enjoy that environment. Just listening to you now and how you define impact. So, you know, voice and empowerment, it, 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 does creating a positive impact foster that fun? Because, you know, it's hard to create fun. It's kind of forced fun. But if, if, you, if you are creating impact, does the fun come naturally there afterwards? Oh. Yes, yeah, so I would think so, because when you the way I'm talking about impact is people have they feel like they have value. Um, they feel empowered. They feel like they're operating in an open and safe culture. They're working for strong, inspiring leaders. Their ideas are allowed to uh, flourish or at least be heard in the workplace and they feel confident. So I think when you put those factors in play then your natural default is they are going to enjoy coming in and going to work every day. And that doesn't mean they won't work hard. Uh, I remember I was uh, on speaking, had a speaking engagement, I think in, uh, I think in Brussels. And normally when I, when I was, when I was uh, on vacation on the holiday or speaking uh, outside of DC, I would tell my staff, Hey, here's in case of an emergency, here's how you reach me. And while I'm in Brussels, I'm looking at my emails and I'm getting nothing for a week. And I'm sitting here like, OK, uh, there must nothing must have been happened. It must have been slow. And then I get back that following Monday and I'm seeing all these emails and all these issues. And I go to my staff like, hey, why didn't you all reach out to me? And they were like, you know. We made a decision that we want, even though you weren't on holiday for the speaking engagement, we weren't going to bother you 
And we made a commitment to resolve everything uh, ourselves. Love it. Now, that meant they had to work late, um, but they enjoyed each other as uh, a team and they felt trusted. They, there was trust and commitment. So they create that empowerment, created that accountability within them. But at the same time, they had fun with themselves, but they had impact. So um, if you if, if people listen to the other podcasts, uh, I'm, I try to pull out uh, uh, your sports side because we're both EPL fans, another UK reference. But if you've ever coached kids or taught kids music or anything, when you got a team that's bought in and invested and talented, that's an easy coaching job. It's, it's easy to manage that group. When they're not, you got to do some hard work. So I think by building that foundation and building that culture of fun and impact, you actually find yourself doing less day-to-day managing and more kind of overseeing and fostering that that empowerment that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. I've already mentioned this guy before, but mm-hmm. Eddie Jones is the England rugby team uh, coach. Uh, used to be a, a teacher before rugby was professional. You'd have to play You'd have to have a job and then play rugby. Um, he just says his job is to make himself redundant. <laughs> so coach the, the players to become a team, to work for one another, know what they have to do, and then they, and to the point where he won't be needed anymore. He'll coach himself out of a job. Um, and I just love the philosophy. Yeah, and I think I have three things. So as a leader, I have three roles. Uh, one, get out of my team's way and let them create. Mm. Yeah. Um, provide top cover for them and kick down doors for them. Um, and now how I do that is I get into two values. So for me, I have three values that, that drive how I lead, which are um, trust, confidence, and availability. So we're going to create a, a culture of trust. And if you understand trust, trust means you can be vulnerable you can take risks, you can be creative, you can be innovative. If you mistake, if you make mistakes, they're not viewed as, as fatal mistakes uh, and you feel empowered. Um, second is confidence as in, and I've told people when, when we put employees in that uncomfortable zone, you have to look at people and say, I will never put you in a position where you will fail. Um, that gives you that opportunity to be creative. And the third one is uh, I just find making yourself available to people, especially after this past year where people are looking for that, that human connection and humanity. And, you know, I used to say, you know, I have an, an open door policy and, and, and that's kind of tough sometimes because sometimes you have other priorities but when people know you're always going to be available or if you're not available at that moment, like I have a real good friend who runs the uh, customer, curve, customer care for a cable company. And he said, whenever my doors close, my staff knows I'm in a meeting or I'm grinding to meet a deadline, but they know the minute my door opens, I'm going to walk the floor and talk to them. That's that level of availability. But it's interesting while not being a part of my research, when when people are disengaged, they talk about simple things like my supervisor won't respond to emails. Um, they're never, they don't do check-ins. That well, What that says is you're not making yourself available. If you're not making yourself available, 
then in essence saying you're you don't really care, you know, and that kind of goes against some of the basic core tenets of, uh, of how I like to lead. And I think I, I don't know whether I answer your question. I just started talking right now and I don't have a U- and I don't have a UK reference right now. So I'll say Idris Elba. No, no, it's this a global, a global podcast, Russell. So it's, it's all good. More you you more us is fine. Um, no, you're, and you're covering off what we usually ask as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm loving listening to us as I'm sure, uh, our listeners are too. Um, you know, to, to that point though, you know, what, what's the best advice you've ever been given? And who is it from? Yeah, so I worked uh, before the agency I work at now. I worked uh, uh, at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, which is an amazing agency. I think one it's one of the few agencies where there is such a strong level of connection um, between the, or, the the employees and the mission, which is to serve and care for our our veterans, our our um, people in the military. And I left that job to come to my current job. And my my supervisor at the time was a retired army colonel. And I remember my last week there, he was just drilling me. Like normally you, you figure you're on autopilot. And finally I was like, what are you doing? And he said, look, my job is to set you up to go to this next level and succeed. If you fail, then I failed you. And what he basically said is, I, I get you, you, Russell, you, you believe in impact, you believe in fun, but you got to be accountable. You are going to be the director, which means everything that leaves your shop is a reflection of you. So while you, you get out of people's way and let them create, they also need to know what your standards are, even, you know, as detailed as it may be, um, even into how we put out memos and letters. Okay. Times New Times New Roman <laughs> twelve point font. Uh, we we put dollars in as uh, we we don't do decimals and we speak in thousands. Like there's this standard, and what I really learned from that is you really have to set that standard to let people come in and create. Um, how that played out is uh, we were trying to create. We were doing uh, organizational development within the government shared service. And we needed listening to our employees. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm listening to our customers. They talked about how our customer catalog was out of date and it really was just an Excel spreadsheet. So we decided we were going to create a customer catalog. And I remember I pulled the team together and I started to tell them, here's how you do it. And I said, nah, you know, I said, listen, you guys are experts at this. You look at this every day. Um, I said, there are only two things I want. Uh, I think one was, here's the deadline. I want to receive the draft. And I said, the stock photos we use must be diverse because that's what our customer base is. You guys do everything else yourself. And they would come back. Hey, do you want this? Do you want that? And I said, you know, you're the expert at this. You're the expert. I've laid out the standards. Here are the standards I want. Now you guys go back and make it happen. And the quality of the product was amazing. And then when we talked about it afterwards, the person in charge was like, you know, I was kind of bummed at first because I was like, Russell's not helping me. And then she thought about, well, he's actually preparing me. I know what his values are, which means he's told us what he wanted. He's going to stay out of our way. But from the confidence as point, 
he's not going to put us in a position where we fail. So when we roll the final product out, everybody's going to be everybody's going to be portrayed confidently as in it's a quality product. And in the end, that's what we had. So that's kind of where the values and and the goal and impact and the fun all come together. And it was just it was all based on that advice from that supervisor. And uh, but and then from here, I also took the standpoint from talent management. You know, every I believe everybody's going to leave a job. Um, It's my job to prepare my staff. If they leave, I should have prepared them for whatever they're going to. If I leave, I should have prepared them to take my place. And if that doesn't happen, then I've kind of failed them as a leader. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, well said. Um, I think more and more people are coming around to the fact that you, we're, we're all on a journey and we're going to spend some some of that journey working at one place and move on. And I think a lot of people want to see um, those people move on and succeed, um, prepare them for the, ne- the next step or to replace themselves. So um, I think it's a, a really great message. Well, man, it's, it's kind of critical and it kind of gets to what is employee engagement doing? So I had a friend who was like, oh, uh, uh, for our company last year, we had nobody leave. We had zero percent turnover. And I said, well, cool. Let me ask you a question. What was your engagement sto- score? And oh, 70 percent of our employees are engaged. I said, cool. Zero turnover. What's up with that remaining for that 30 percent? Because you've got 30 percent people who are just not engaged or disengaged. And some of them are staying when they probably want to go and it may be time for them to go. And how does that impact the organization? And I think when we look at where kind of employee engagement has kind of missed the mark, it has kind of been focusing on all retention is not good and all turnover isn't bad. Uh, if I have somebody who works for me and I know that I know the cycle for the job they're in is like three years, they should master this. And I've looked at their resume and I'm like, you know, every three years, this person's looking for a new challenge. And then in that, that, that year between two to three or three to four, they get a promotion or a higher job outside of, outside of my unit. I view that as a, as a success. So I think talent management, uh, especially as as the employee engagement people migrate to employee experience, like employee experience really gets to talent management and talent management then really gets into the type of leaders, your sub- supervisors, leaders you're selecting and developing, because I think the quiet secret of employee engagement is it's really not about the employees and how you implement change. It really gets to the type of managers you've hired and how you train and develop them to meet the organization's values or to empower employees or how to manage talent. Well, yeah, we've, we've often seen uh, through the, the, the organizations that we work with where uh, engagement or tr- driving experience, uh, where it begins and us. Uh, fails or succeeds is at that management level, um, whether they're buying into what you're trying to achieve as an organization or not. So um, I, I 100% agree with you on, on that on that front. So one, one, two last questions with regards to your working life, and then we're going to delve deeper into Russell outside of work. Um, what's one of your go-to productivity tricks that you can share with us and maybe help us all work a little bit harder and more effectively? 
Um, I think for me, ironically, it's music. So I, I play music. Uh, man, I got, uh, I got my undergrad about 30 years ago. I think it's safe to say 95% of my work days, there is music playing. Yeah. Um, and I am the, and my, my wife's the exact opposite. She needs to work in total silence. If I work in total silence, any noise will throw me off. Uh, now when, when I need, when I'm in a zone, uh, I then go to jazz music or, uh, I've actually become a big fan of listening to movie soundtracks because they help me get in the right zone to produce. Um, um, what well, good, good, any, any recommendations for a movie soundtrack that's good to work long, long with like gladiator or something like that? Yes. Yeah, so my personal favorite is the soundtrack to the movie inside man, which is a Spike Lee movie, which starred, uh, Denzel Washington and Clive Owen and a, and a Brit. And I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> I mean, also uh, Joe, Jodie Foster, I think makes an appearance. Yeah, Jodie Foster also, but the soundtrack was done by Terrence Blanchard. So if you, um, if you're a Spike Lee fan, you know, Terrence Blanchard, who is a, uh, an accomplished uh, jazz trumpeter does all of his soundtracks. But uh, for this, I got the score and I just love to, to play that Um, from a jazz standpoint. uh, I've really been into this new uh, UK jazz vibe that the, that the 20 somethings are putting out because it's more of a, uh, a traditional jazz mixed with Afrobop. So it's kind of like if, if, uh, John Coltrane's grandkids and fella Cootie's got grandkids got together and did a band. So there's this group out of the UK called the Ezra collective that are just phenomenal. Um, I think their last album was, you can't steal my joy. Uh, there's a lady who's a part of a group called Misha named Nubia Garcia out of the UK. And, uh, she has an album called five. And then, um, also, when I zone out, I can't lie. I'm going to date myself here, man. I love Jamiroquai. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 The wife and I have uh, been getting into Jamiroquai again big time of late, actually. Big time. Uh, uh, yeah. Amazing uh, artist. Um, I'm just thinking about uh, Terrence Blanchford. Like, and back to, I'm a big Spike Lee fan. Uh, so just like he got game, 25th hour, when, when he goes to those critical points in the movies, there's that that high pitch trumpet playing, and I'm I'm guessing that's who you're talking about then. So, um, and it's very Spike Lee esque, you know, all his joints. So, um, I'll be probably watching some Spike Lee films this uh, this weekend. Um, uh, and that's a lot, last question about work. Um, and uh, actually, get quickly back to that productivity trick. What would it be like to work in an environment where they wouldn't allow you to listen to music then? Because I, I've been in those environments where, because I, I, I think music helps me focus and uh, the, and sounds distract. Um, would, would that be hard? Would that, would, that, would that stop you from performing at your best if you weren't able to listen to music? Um, you know, so it's a, it's, there's a way you could, the way you could do it is you could listen to your music via headphones. Yeah, but say, say it was just prohibited. Say that that organization said, I don't like you listening to I don't like your headphones being in, you know. Would that would that would that hurt? Would that stop productivity in with you? <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um now it would get to the reason, but what I'm saying is if I need that to be productive and you're telling me I can't, 
I can't listen through speakers. And there may be a reason, but if you're telling me I can't listen through headphones, then I don't know if that's a culture I could be in because I don't think. Well, exactly. And then it goes back to what I said. Um, If I'm not productive, then I'm not going to have impact. And and if I'm in a place like that, truth be told, Matt, that is kind of a peaceful feeling. Because for me, it says I've got to leave. I've got to move on. I've got to go elsewhere. Uh, This organization's culture and values don't align to mine. And and I can't get the organization to change the culture. And if their values and my values don't align, then that's really peaceful. Because the only way you can resolve that either is two ways, is to stay and not be your full self or or you leave. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just glad we're having these conversations and that, that it, they are more open at an earlier stage of people's careers because, you know, the, this stuff wouldn't, it did, well, did not cross my mind in my early 20s where I, I you know, those cultures I, I was part of. And it's one of the reasons it's driven me to create my own organization and have my, have my own team and have my own values and culture. <laughs> um, I, I remember vividly, vividly just saying, you cannot listen to music. Headphones or otherwise. And I'm going, okay, <laughs> there's no real reason for that, but fine. Thank you very much. Uh, and I just suddenly wanted to see how that would impact you, you know, when, when it does help you be productive. So, But that goes, that goes to talent management. So um, whenever I have uh, people I mentor or, or employees or students who are going for job interviews, the one thing I explain to them is, you are interviewing the company as much as the company is interviewing you. Um, and, and I've actually, uh, I mean, my current job, I think there were six interviews and I set up the last two. And at one point I said, look, here, here's, here's the deal. We want this to work out. The last thing you want is you've hired me and you find I don't fit your culture and now you've got a less than optimum employee. And now we've got to deal with each other. The last thing I want is to work, come on board and then find out your values don't align to my values. And now I'm stuck and we're stuck with each other till the process resolves itself. And maybe that could take that could take a full year. So that that gets from the employee standpoint. That's a year where you're not being at your optimum. Um, Money can replace anything but wasted time. And for me, um, I don't want to hire people who aren't productive and don't feel empowered. So I just go back to I tell people you are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. It's your job to find out what their culture and values are. Yeah, well, I, I needed I needed that advice about how many years ago now, a lot, a lot many years ago. Um, so let's switch it up. Let's let's find out more about about you outside of work. Um, and this question is totally irrelevant, almost because you are a teacher. But as what do you teach? Because the question usually is, if you're a teacher, what would you teach? Um, but uh, you're, you're doing it, I believe. Yeah. So it's a grad level. It's it's a grad level course intro to leadership. So, and it's part of a uh, uh, master's in uh, master's in human develop human organizational development. And do you enjoy it? Yeah, I love it. I mean, the, the students are different, um, and I mean different as in diverse. So, a lot of them are are working adults. 
Uh, some work in the university setting, some work for the government, some are vets. Um, I think, you know, it also gets to an issue of class size. So I read, I'm a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell, and he talked to some research on teachers, and he found that the optimum class size is like 18 students. So I've had less than 18, and that's a struggle because every form of disagreement can be personal. Uh, I had one semester where I had close to 30 students and you just cannot go into any depth in the conversation because it's just too many people. But 18 is about a good mix to to have that optimum learning experience. Um, so anything above that would be the tipping point. Sorry, I'm just trying to get a Gladwell reference in there. Um, yeah. Early bird or night owl? Uh, I think we, you, well, you mentioned in our 20s. So in our 20s, uh, I probably was a bit of both. Yeah. Uh, I could probably get by on four hours sleep. I think we all were in our 20s. <laughs> yeah, I, I think as as we mentioned earlier, I'm trying to get back into the gym early. So I think as I've gotten earlier, I'm less of an early bird and more of a night owl. And truth be told, if I'm if I'm crushing on a, a deadline or a product or a piece of research, uh, I find between 10 p.m. or two or three a.m. is my optimum time for writing and producing a and producing a product. Uh, I've got friends I've got friends who when when they were on their doctoral grind got up and wrote at like four a.m. every morning. I couldn't do that, but but I could be all night. Wow, I love it. I just I just love how different we all are I, I i i celebrate it i think it's fantastic we could probably pass the baton from you finishing and me starting <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, exactly yeah, that'd be great teamwork that you just work through the night i'll, I'll see you at 4 a.m whether you get to keep put the coffee on um so um so your favorite album uh is another question and what's we need one song only what song really fires you up when you need, need to be fired up um so i would say I'll go back to Ezra Collective because I've been listening to them a lot. They have a song called The Philosopher, which uh, I think that's on their previous album called The Philosopher. And I just love the vibe of that. Um, but I can't lie, when I'm in the gym, I'm a I'm an old school uh, boom bap hip hopper. So Tribe Called Quest, the scenario with uh, uh, Tribe Called Quest and Busta Rhymes on it, that always gets me uh, uh, fired up and, and amped. Um, when so I Buster need to fired up, is that, is that what we're saying? No, is it's that... called the scenario. It's the scenario. But if you understand Buster Rhymes, Buster, uh, Buster always brings energy into every oh, he rap does. he does. Yeah. yeah, he does. And when I need to feel reflective, I listen. When I feel need to feel reflective, I listen to the um, the Roots "How I Got Over" album, which is a very introspective album. So that that gets me into a. Uh, I, I do walks for meditation, and that that helps me get in a nice reflective spot. Awesome! I'm, I'm loving how our Spotify playlist is coming together. We've got we've got a bit of everything at the moment. Uh, there needs we need to have an inspired workplace uh, a Spotify playlist. That that's got to be something in 2021. We we do we do, and we've 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 got Christina, we've got Buster, we've got Oasis. You know, it's 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 really it's really building. <laughs> um, so uh, household chores. What do you leave to last, hoping somebody else will have to do it for you? I hate vacuuming. Now, now, whenever I whenever I don't want to do work, uh, I will I will do laundry because my office my office is at home is next to the laundry room. So so we'll we'll have clean clothes, but I can look at uh, I'm looking right now at it looks like a 
piece of lint or clothing on my floor <laughs> that's yeah. been it's been here for two weeks and uh at some point I may have to get get down and vacuum it, but I'm hoping somebody else will, to be honest with so you. So if you need clean clothes, Russell's your man. Um, and and so this one isn't best film you've ever made, but your favorite film that if it was on the TV, you, you just watch it. Yeah. So quiet is kept. I'm a big fan of Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown with uh, Samuel Jackson, yeah. Pam Greer, and I believe Ray Forrester. And I think, the one thing you get from Samuel Jackson is a high quality performance, even if the movie is terrible. Yeah. But Jackie Brown does not get the fanfare as Pulp Fiction. Probably moved a little slower. But I mean, I pretty much uh, uh, love every scene from that. Even, you know, Chris Tucker's in there for one scene. Uh, Michael Keaton's in it. Bridget Fonda. Just- Fonda and De Niro. And yeah, it's, it's a great, great film. Uh, tiny, tiny Lister, who who just passed from COVID a few days ago, who, who played Debo in Friday. So yeah, that that movie stops me all the time, and uh, I can just uh, watch it whenever it's on TV. So now I'm going to challenge you. What's the what's the track that they listen to? Is it the Delphonics or something? What, what's what's that yeah, song? Yeah, yeah. Ray Forrester listens to the Delphonics through the the whole time because I think. When he goes to Jackie's place, uh, 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 didn't I blow your mind this time? Didn't I blow your mind? Okay, thank you. Um, that's going straight on my iTunes as soon as we finish. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. I might get an honorary insert into the playlist as well. Actually, that's all. It's not a viral song. Well, and 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 that also has a uh, when they intro Jackie Brown that has 110th Street by Bobby Womack, oh, which is nice. another thriller. That, yeah. that, that's that's one of my all-time favorite songs across 110th street that's 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 a mega hit um so matt we need to do a music pod we yeah, did we do, we pod do. last year we gotta do just just music pod one day um we definitely do and we're, we're this is already record length so um we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up with a few more quick questions and uh then we're gonna let you go um best place in the world you've ever visited yeah so um because we're talking music uh and COVID killed live music. My wife and I go to Netherlands for the North Sea Jazz Festival every year, which is in Rotterdam. Uh, I have come to really love Rotterdam. I love the vibe of the city. Um, You know, 35 miles southwest of Amsterdam, but the more and more I go, the more off the tourist path I go. I've got friends there. Um, I've got friends from uh, all over, uh, all over Europe and the States, and we meet up there. So I really love Rotterdam. I guess on the my bucket list, uh, I really want to go to uh, Mauritius, followed by I want to spend a night in a, uh, an igloo in, I believe, uh, Finland, checking out the Northern Lights one night. Oh, yeah, again. Um now you're talking. That's that's on our bucket list too. Um, I actually saw a really cool place up in Alaska, in Alaska that does something around the Northern Lights. It's one of the most remote hotels in the world. Um, but yeah, sit, lying back and seeing the Northern Lights um, do their thing would be fantastic. Um, so that last question, Russell. Um, if we could get hold of anybody, um, who would you nominate for us to interview on Inspire Club? Yes, yeah, so I think... Uh... In the, uh, it's 
I would recommend two who are really my uh, my go to people. Uh, one for HR, there's a lady named uh, Dr. Doretta Rhodes, who uh, is the senior vice president for human resources for the Atlanta Braves, one of the baseball teams here in the States. And when it comes to HR and human capital, um, she sees it around two or three more corners than most people. So understanding where things are going. And then she's got the track record where resolving situations uh, or challenges that come up, she's seen it. Um, I think from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, I mentioned Dr. Nicole Dillard, who's a, a professor at a University of Northern Kentucky, which uh, is in Kentucky, but is a suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, Nicole sees diversity and inclusion uh, two or three laps ahead of everybody else. Um, and I think as we take those lessons learned that we talked about earlier, humanity, connection, difficult conversations, bringing diversity and inclusion into um, the workplace and talent management and leadership development and building strong cultures, they're really two of the people I like to go to to um, gain knowledge. Well, I, I don't know how we could choose between them, so we're going to try and get both of those two. So thank you very, very much for those nominations and your wonderful insights uh, and opening up about yourself a bit more as well, Russell. So um, probably the longest one because we're friends and I could talk to you for hours, talk with you for hours. So um, let's hope. We grab that beer when you're in London this year. You can get, manage to um, get, get across to Rotterdam and get some live music. And just thank you on behalf of myself and all our listeners. Thanks very much. Thanks, Matt. Uh, let's keep 2021 prosperous. Absolutely. And looking forward to seeing Inspire DC grow. So thanks again, Russell. Thanks to everybody who's listening. Uh, we'll be back with another, another episode next week. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye.